0: Welcome to the podcast of the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary, a space for ongoing dialogue among Asian American scholars, ministry leaders, and activists. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Alex Hoshino, and I'm a research assistant with the Center for Asian American Christianity. Our speaker for this session is David Wang. Uh, Dr. David C. Wang is a pastor licensed psychologist, and the Cliff and Joyce Penner Chair for the Formation of Emotionally Healthy Leaders at Fuller Theological Seminary. He is the editor of the Journal of Psychology and Theology and oversees research grants funded by the John Templeton Foundation as well as the Lilly Endowment. And I will now hand the stage over to Dr. David Wang for his session titled research and practice on the care of Christian leaders who have been wounded in the ministry context.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Alex. And, um, welcome to the session. Thank you for, uh, joining us. And as, uh, Alex mentioned, um, I wear a lot of different hats. I'm, um, a professor at Fuller. I'm a pastor, um, part-time, uh, pastor of spiritual formation at a local congregation in Anaheim Fullerton area here in Southern California. And I'm also a licensed clinical psychologist, so I still maintain a small private practice, uh, mainly where I, uh, for the most part, I see um, many Christian leaders like pastors and missionaries. And um, what I like to tell people is that uh, even though I'm both a psychologist as well as a pastor, um, I was a a pastor first uh, before I uh, became a psychologist. And I think it's fair to say that I'm a, I'm a psychologist today um, based on uh, my experiences and what I observed uh, two or three decades ago uh, when I w- uh, first started off as a college and young adults pastor in the church I grew up in, uh, in San Jose, California. And it was through those experiences uh, bearing witness to the, the manifold uh, mental health struggles uh, in the uh, Chinese immigrant church that I grew up in, um, And also, um, uh, bearing witness and also experiencing how challenging it is emotionally and psychologically for many of us pastors and Christian leaders, um, where the, the role of, uh, being a pastor, uh, it takes us into, um, regularly into situations that are very challenging emotionally and, uh, witnessing and experiencing firsthand, um, the mental health needs, not just of our congregations and our communities but also the mental health needs of our pastors and missionaries and Christian leaders. So um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to um, take on uh, for the role that I have at Fuller Theological Seminary. I'm the uh, penner Chair for the Formation of Emotionally Healthy Leaders. And part of my work at Fuller is to help the seminary kind of reimagine um, uh, what theological education might be if we were to take seriously um, the emotional formation or the uh, cultivating emotional resilience among our pastors and future Christian leaders, because um, we know that intellectual formation is important. We know that spiritual formation is important. And uh, the research that I'll be sharing with you in just a few moments also speaks to the importance of uh, the emotional formation of the Christian leader. Um, And one of the reasons why is because uh, research does show uh, and uh, and I think you all probably know this even better uh, because you're living it firsthand, that um, the ministry context is oftentimes a very um, emotionally troubling and emotionally challenging, emotionally distressing context uh, for us uh, pastors and Christian leaders. So what I'm hoping to do is, as I talk through some of the research as well as some of the my personal reflections on the research, um, that I hope that it can be, um, not just informative, but also validating. So it, there might be a chance where, uh, it might be a possibility where, as we talk through this research, none of this is new information for you because you've experienced it all. And if that's the case, then that's totally great. And I hope that one of the things you can take away from that, from this, is the feeling that you're absolutely not alone and that there are trends uh, in within the larger kind of body of Christ that would attest that others are also... Um, Experiencing similar things as yourself. so um, that's a little bit about myself. And I'm going to switch over to sharing my slides, and let's uh, jump into this uh, presentation. So, the the question I want to start with today, and you know, if we were um, in person, I would have loved to split you all into small groups. But for the um, uh, purpose of our time together, I just I want to invite you to reflect on this question just for a few moments. And the question is this: um, What kinds of emotional wounds have you either personally experienced, or have you observed among you know others who are your fellow pastors and uh, Christian leaders uh, over the course of your work um, and ministry? You know, and feel free to just reflect on this. Uh, if you're uh, open to maybe sharing some of this, you're welcome to do that uh, in the chat. I really appreciate Jose uh, jumping in and shares um he writes uh, helplessness and powerlessness, and that's very, very understandable. and I think that is a really helpful backdrop to kind of carry and contain a lot of the research that I'll share um, later. Uh, I also, I'm reading uh, disappointment uh, and disillusionment, and um that's something I can absolutely personally relate to. I kind of went through my own faith deconstruction after I uh, had my first stint as a as a pastor, uh, being silenced. Um, abuse of leadership power. Um, and, and Darcy, I, I mean, sometimes that being silenced is, is universal, uh, uh, and sometimes it might even be specific to gender and race as well. I think there's ways that Asians and in particular Asian women, uh, I've, from people I've worked with, um, where that experience of being silenced is very, very common, uh, burnout, lack of boundaries in church. Uh, varying expectations that switch at a whim, yes. Uh, distrust, uh, insecurity. We should probably write this down. This would be really helpful for many other people to read. I think so many of us can relate to this. Um, being misunderstood, um, gaslighting in both my role as professor professor of theology and in the white church, yes. Um, and then Gerald being the object of prog- uh, projections, absolutely. I, I found that um, as now, now I've done my now that i'm in my 40s i'm no longer giving out big brother vibes um and now i'm giving out uh, fatherhood vibes and for those in our congregations that have uh you know fatherhood wounds uh, i'm finding myself as the recipient of a lot of those uh, projections and transference kind of um, dynamics um not being invited to give a contribution uh being betrayed Disregard of number of years of serving faithfully, yes. Putting minority communities against each other, uh, Christian nationalism, yes. That's something that I'm deeply concerned about. And we're, we're actually doing research on uh, the formation of future pastors um, as it relates to um, Christian nationalism. What are those dispositions uh, among seminary um, students that um, put people at risk for endorsing those kinds of viewpoints? uh, being berated, um, ageism. Uh, so absolutely keep, keep them coming. And, and I want to encourage all of us to, to read all the, all the thoughtful, uh, reflections on chat. So what I'd like to do in our time together, and, you know, granted we only have about 30 to 35 minutes before we jump into Q and A. So we'll just go as far as we can, but, uh, as a general kind of signpost for our time together, I'll, I'll start off by sharing a little bit about some of the research on. Common forms of emotional wounds from the ministry context. And granted, um, you know, these are uh, findings for kind of a a more general population of uh, Christian ministers. It's not necessarily specific just to Asian American Christian leaders. And that's actually one area I'd love to um, explore and process with you um, uh, towards the the latter half of our time together, which is the question of well, you know, to what extent does um, this conversation about emotional wounds? uh, How is it similar or different when we contextualize it onto the experiences of Asian American Christian leaders? And if we have um, time, we'll talk a little bit about some of the trauma research uh, on social support and emotional validation, because um, there's actually quite a lot of overlap between the emotional wounds that many uh, Christian leaders experience and um, symptoms of psychological trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. And then, uh, if we have time, uh, likely we will not, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the implications of uh, this whole discussion on our spiritual formation and our understanding of uh, spiritual uh, maturity. So, um, I, I do kind of want to do a deep dive and just jump right in um, and talk about one unfortunate um, form and, and, and uh, very uh, pronounced and serious form of emotional wounds in the ministry context. And that has to do with inappropriate sexual behavior. Um, And uh, research suggests that, you know, among at least four major denominational groups, over a third um, of pastors acknowledge engaging in some sort of inappropriate sexual behavior for a minister, um, 12% uh, admitted to having some form of sexual intercourse. And uh, sociologist um, Mark Chaves out of Duke Divinity Uh, He's done some extensive work on the topic of clergy sexual misconduct. And he's found that on average, there's an average number of seven uh, female victims of misconduct per affected uh, congregation. So by the time something actually uh, moves to the fore and is reported and becomes uh, public knowledge, uh, usually uh, it's the case that there's multiple individuals involved. It usually, unfortunately, does not go public after just the first or second for various uh, reasons. Uh, one of which being that uh, these kinds of um, uh, experiences tend to be uh, severely underreported, um, especially if it uh, happens within uh, a church context. I think many of you guys are aware of uh, the latest um, kind of reports of sexual misconduct and mishandling of uh, situations like that from the, the Southern Baptist Convention. I think that was just um, last year. But unfortunately, that kind of uh, that kind of thing is, um, not uncommon among other denominations or uh, religious groups. And, um, I, uh, just wanted to, uh, share, uh, one of the individuals I've, uh, I worked with, um, in the past where one of my colleagues worked with and just, uh, read her testimony. Um, and this is a testimony of a missionary kid. And she said, I heard about a missionary kid in a, a missionary boarding school who was sexually abused by a staff member who was also a missionary. And her parents informed the school and the mission agency, but were met with indifference and inaction. Um, the school and agency felt like it might cause problems for them if they exposed the staff members, so they encouraged the family to work through this incident privately. And um, you know, and and I think uh, this theme of indifference, and I don't want to touch this, I don't want to engage this unfortunately, is all too common among so many of our ministry contexts. Um, and the question I'd love to invite you to reflect on, and again, you know if, if you feel comfortable um, uh, sharing your thoughts on on the chat, you're welcome to is you know why are many churches and Christian organizations so reluctant to address these sorts of serious problems and instead try to cover up, ignore, and minimize these situations, and in so doing, um oftentimes make things much much more worse for uh, everyone involved perhaps except the perpetrator you know and um in jose fear of scandal i think that's that's very fair and and i think the unfortunate thing about this is if you try to cover it up um and it later comes to light uh and now people know not only about the actual event but the cover up it becomes even more of a uh, of a scandal and Jeff Wrights losing face and i think that might be uh uh it's not unique to asian american uh contexts or churches but but that is that is a thing as, as well you know um, lack of reporting structures um i think that's really uh important as well uh, it might affect donors or financial support from organizational leadership so there are Absolutely, uh, potential implications for the larger um, ministry context. And the research actually uh, validates this, which we'll share a little more later. Misogyny, patriarchy, absolutely, is still present. Underlying culture um, uh, that have not been addressed or acknowledged, absolutely. We see it as attacking our own. And we see accountability as punishment rather than restoration and love, absolutely. Um, you don't want to hinder the ministry. Unfortunately, even though you know, we're not, we don't want to hinder it, but when we really look at this, we're, we're actually uh, sacrificing integrity. And even though it's not public, that's, that's really the center of, um, of, the, of what we minister out of, uh, fear of wealthy donors. They themselves do not know how to handle the situation and what is the right way to go about this. Uh, not enough known guidance is out there on various circumstances, that's really fair. And that's why I'm really grateful for a context like this, where we can actually start the conversation and um, perhaps put together some resources so that we can minimize that kind of thing. Um, skewed understanding of God's grace. That's a great, I've seen that a lot, where people will, uh, they refuse to exercise leadership when it needs to happen and um, put boundaries on situations to protect the rest of the church in the name of grace. Um, probably more cases, so never open the box, yes um skewed understanding of sin as merely vertical uh, and individual um right instead of um institutional um absolutely um perceiving that removing the minister is solving the problem not yeah exactly when when the problem is actually perhaps a more systemic situation too there's too many examples of churches where uh, after they have uh, uh the church has kind of gone through this roller coaster ride with a head pastor who tends to be narcissistic um and that that narcissistic pastor gets, uh, you know, uh, transitions to a different role. Um, people don't realize that that's only the tip of the iceberg because sometimes, a lot of times, a lot of church cultures are uh, implicitly built around a narcissistic personality. So they will attract another um, personality like that in the future. Um, lack of capacity to do with shame and inevitability of, uh, will come up if addressed out loud. And great to, great to see you feel and protecting the offender. And so it sounds like you all, this is definitely hitting, um, striking a nerve among many of us. And this is not a surprise at all. this, is, this sounds like many of us here can certainly relate uh, to this. Thank you. So continuing in the story, this event naturally caused this missionary kid to wonder if God cared about her situation and went a long time believing that her problems uh, aka her trauma, and this is absolutely a trauma, were not important to God or the church. And this type of spiritual trauma leads many missionary kids and adult missionaries as well um, to leave the church altogether or leave the church uh, once they're grown up or to leave the faith altogether. And I wouldn't be surprised if many of us either have struggled with these questions ourselves or if we know of many colleagues who have gone through uh, these emotional wounds in the ministry context, and in addition to the emotional sequelae, um, also struggle with the spiritual consequences of that—of you know wondering if God actually cares, and pondering and struggling through the perceived and experiential absence uh, of God in and during a time when we very much uh, needed Him. Okay, so that's one form of uh, emotional wounds in the ministry context. And uh, I think this uh, perhaps could fit into a larger category of conflicts with ministry team members. And the research also suggests that perhaps the greatest source of ministry wounding, and uh, it is the number one source of missionary attrition, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was the number one source behind um, pastors uh, stepping down from their Uh, callings and positions prematurely is actually conflicts with other ministry team members with other Christians and that this is uh, presents a greater challenge uh, or challenge over and above the challenges inherent in uh, working with our communities with the unreached with financial challenges with uh, the stresses of living and doing work cross-culturally especially for cross-cultural missionaries and the challenges related to the ministry work itself so aside from all of those challenges which are inherently challenging um, notwithstanding that the greatest source of stress and wounding is actually still not not our interactions with people who aren't Christian but actually um, with our fellow uh, Christian leaders yeah and um, agreed with you Sarah I know it's uh, this isn't uh, this is older research and unfortunately the research is fairly piecemeal on this topic. So people don't kind of continue this. I'm hoping to change that a little bit, but I, I suggest, and I believe that this is probably still an issue, uh, just as much, uh, if not um, more. Unfortunately, there actually isn't much more recent data uh, than this. This was a commissioned uh, research project, I think by the U.S. Center for World Mission. And um, we're hoping to do launch some uh, similar program of research at Fuller Theological Seminary in the upcoming year or two on uh, the nature of emotional And um, a lot of this ministry team conflict, um, unfortunately, is due to the poor emotional and mental health of some uh, team leaders and uh, team members. Uh, one of my uh, psychologist colleagues, uh, Dave Wickstrom, and he works as a member care psychologist for uh different denominations as well as missionary agencies and some of the work that he does and i've done a little bit of this as well is he does um uh, very robust uh psychological assessment screenings for missionary applicants as well as um, uh, you know pastoral applicants that are uh, about to become ordained and he does uh, a full battery of psychological assessment with them and based on his experience of doing this kind of thing with hundreds of Christian leaders, he identified several red flags. Um, and some of them include, uh, major mental illness. Um, so he's talking about significant levels, severe levels of depression and anxiety, uh, bipolar disorder, different forms of somatization, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, obsessive compulsive disorder as well as a history of recurrent minor illness, addiction, eating disorders, um, serious family issues, uh, and the like. And he particularly highlights, um, the, the challenge and, uh, the, the very, the very bright red flag of personality disorders, especially in the form of histrionic tendencies a narcissistic personality and borderline personality disorder in particular. So, one of the classes I teach at I teach at Fuller is the class on dialectical behavior therapy, which is an evi- evidence based treatment for borderline personality disorder. And uh, and unfortunately, um, border, uh, borderline I've seen too many examples in the ministry context and ones that I've been a part of, as well as um, ministries that my colleagues and friends uh, have been a part of, where they uh, without knowing, um, uh, perhaps in the name of grace or, um, perhaps because there's just so much need, they brought on, uh, ministry team members. They hired pastors with borderline personality disorder or some other form of access to personality disorder. And it was, um, it just caused so much problems in the ministry and it burned out everyone. And, uh, the, the consequences of it are often, unfortunately, quite drastic if we don't catch some of these things uh, early on. It's, and to be fair, sometimes it's really hard to cap, capture or catch some of these things early on because they can seem somewhat hidden, at least in the initial um, stages of getting to know somebody. Um, and Dave Wickstrom um, validates this and he suggests that personality disorders are actually usually the cause for the greatest, some of the greatest problems in a ministry context. And this is why it's important for us to partner together as mental health professionals, as well as Christian leaders, so that we can provide extra support and coverage and an extra set of eyes, uh, so that we can hopefully prevent some of this uh, stuff from happening. And one study, uh, 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 the testimony that Dave shared with me, I just want to read it with you, he says this, on rare occasions and to my chagrin, for um, various reasons like you know transference, uh, faking abilities or defensiveness on part of the candidate, I had downplayed the data. Evidence in the psychological testing he ran, and had mistakenly given the candidate a clean bill of health and a statement of their readiness to move overseas. So even us psychologists, we struggle with how we apply grace. Sometimes we're just like, well, you know, the data might be suggesting there's something's there, but we'll just extend some grace and give them a clean bill of health. And unfortunately, that does come back to bite us sometimes as well. And he says, there was a time when I had downplayed a classic borderline personality profile on the MMPI2, which is one of the standard psychological assessment instruments that we often give because the candidate was so articulate. Um, I found out later that they had an IQ in the genius range and I was uh, was fooled. Uh, Needless to say, when that candidate became a missionary and almost destroyed the work and the people on the team, I was able to look back and have determined never to mistrust the data uh, again. And Jose shares a, raises a great question for a big church that can be selective. They can probably screen, uh, but what about a struggling church? Because sometimes uh, there aren't uh, other options and, um, agreed. You know, if, if you are a part of a church that happens to be part of a larger denomination that has an office, uh, for member care, uh, where these kinds of psychological assessment resources are available, then absolutely, I want to encourage you guys to take advantage of those things. Um, But for churches, uh, those of us who serve in churches like myself that are smaller um, and aren't part of a denomination yet, this becomes uh, more of a struggle. And I think this is where it it, it might be really important for us to uh, form partnerships with uh, Christian mental health professionals in our area so that we can have, um, at the very least some people or some directions that we can take to consult, um, especially if, uh, there might be some, um, uh, red flags or latent concerns. Um, and I think perhaps one of my, uh, perhaps one of the takeaways of this conversation is if there are, um, uh, red flags or latent concerns, I just want to encourage y'all to um, really consider doing the due diligence instead of just kind of pushing that candidate forward. I know there's a lot of needs uh, in the ministry. I absolutely relate. Um, but sometimes that little extra due diligence might actually save us in the long run uh, from a lot of heartache and a lot of pain as well. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's a great question. So how do we discern the difference between God using us, still our own weakness and flaws versus Uh, Danger and unhealthy signs, and to be fair, um, it requires a lot of wisdom and discernment. And even for the most trained individuals, we're not going to get it perfectly. So, you know, I wish there was this uh, rubric that we can just follow that would catch, you know, all of these one hundred percent. And I don't know, I don't think that such a rubric um, exists. And to be fair, all of us, uh, you know, none of us are perfect, and all of us will struggle with these things and. You know, we most of most for all of us have gone through um, seasons, brief or extended, where we, we might have experienced depression and anxiety, and that is not uh, a necessarily a red flag that would suggest that we're not fit for ministry. Uh, but so, so it is ultimately a question of um, severity and uh, to what extent is this pronounced. And there's so many different factors that that play, which uh, perhaps we can talk a little bit more um, uh, during the Q and A. Um, I heard a story from a counselor who worked in an overseas um, uh, uh, counseling center for expatriate workers who saw all members of a local missions team within a six-month span. One by one, all of the team members were coming, stating that they were burnt out and planned to leave the field. Finally, the last member of the team, the team leader, entered into therapy with a counselor, and the counselor soon realized that this team leader had an undiagnosed personality disorder that had been the root cause of all the team conflict that it caused the entire team to leave the field. Sadly, all of the team members were so disgruntled and burnt out that this ended their missionary service in less than a stellar way. And um, again, I think this illustrates lots of points that we've already covered. But unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, people will interpret a situation like this, perhaps uh, through an over-spiritualized lens, uh, through, uh, a non-systemic lens, which unfortunately will place a potential blame on the individuals when, in fact, there was uh, very much uh, a, a very compelling uh, uh, explanation for a while. Another significant contributor to ministry wounds, um and I think a lot of us have already mentioned this earlier, um, has to do with the lack of safe and confidential spaces, emotional safe emotionally safe and confidential spaces for uh, Christian leaders that. Many Christian leaders feel like, you know, they have no one to talk to about the feelings of being hurt by other leaders. We have no one to talk to about feeling burnt out. We have no one to talk to about some of the doubts that we're struggling with in our own faith, um, or perhaps potential problems in our marriage and family. And, and, and and, And almost everyone has challenges and problems in our marriage and family. But what's unique about us pastors and Christian leaders is that sometimes it feels like we live in this glass jar where everyone is peering into our personal as well as our professional life. And um, recent research conducted by Lifeway research actually suggesting and this is during the COVID-19 pandemic, that um, one of the most powerful predictors of, uh, of Christian leaders burning out, it has to do with whether they have even one space um, or one person where they can share vulnerably and honestly and based on their number crunching they found that if a pastor actually just has one we don't even need like two or three or four we we don't need a lot as long as we just have one context or one person where we can share honestly and vulnerably with that the likelihood of burnout at least during covid19 actually palpably decreases um, in a statistically significant way and one of the the reflections that uh, I draw from that research, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a sad and tragic reflection is that uh, it points to the reality that there are so many of us um, who actually have no spaces or no context where we can do such a, and, um, and there's a lot of good reasons why um, this, uh, this might be the case, because uh, a lot of times there's legitimate and valid fears that if they share vulnerably and honestly, they might be kicked out of their church um, and they have to leave the ministry. And this actually happened with several of my, my, uh, my clients who were formerly in the ministry where they shared appropriately uh, before a concern uh, blew up. And, um, uh, and when the rest of the church or ministry organization heard it, they just dismissed them immediately without any kind of uh, process of restoration or uh, healing or recovery. Uh, there are also potential fears that people will be judged as lacking uh, lacking in faith or being an unfaithful Christian, uh, and someone even mentioned this directly: fears that they will lose financial support from people or churches that support them, uh, fears that they uh, that those they are ministering to will not want to come become Christians, and many other uh, valid and legitimate feel, fears. And as a result, many Christian leaders end up deciding, understandably are uh, deciding to isolate to hold their pain and to just keep going, and despite uh the further hurt this may cause to themselves and others and a lot of times this is unfortunately the pathway to um to burnout for a lot of um for a lot of christian leaders and sometimes we we do this um again due to fear of failure, belief that God cares more about the work of the ministry rather than uh the, the their personhood. Uh, And perhaps uh, encouragement from fellow Christians to just keep on going despite trauma, family difficulties, and crises of faith. And unfortunately, um, some of the worst advice I've ever heard about life and ministry, I've heard from Christians. Uh, Fears that Christian communities and organizations being dismissive or judgmental of their uh, difficult experiences, I find that people's capacity to hold other people's pain, it can be quite varied. with it, even within Christian um, communities. Some additional challenges within the ministry context uh, include the following, um, high or unrealistic expectations, not only that are placed on the minister and leader, not just for the minister, but for their spouses and children. Um, I have uh, two um, doctoral uh, clinical psychology students that are actually doing uh, research now, qualitative and quantitative on um, pastor's kids. and the emotional challenges of having these expectations uh, placed on them throughout their entire life uh, through childhood. And um, there's also, as you know, stressors within the ministry context. You have personal criticism and attack. I remember people in the chat mentioned betrayal um, as well. Um, Boundary ambiguity, where you're a pastor, you're always a pastor 24-7. You can't just go home and take off that pastor hat um, because we're potentially on call all the time. Uh, emotional isolation, um, exposure to crises, and unpredictability of crises, um, interpersonal and administrative demands, as well as performance-oriented um, tasks. And I just want to speak briefly about uh, exposure to crises and unpredictability of crises. One of those, the uh, research projects that I work on it's a, a Lily uh, it's a grant funded by the Lilly Endowment. Um, I'm partnering with um, a network of 25 predominantly African-American churches and church pastors to do uh, trauma-informed care work. Um, so in other words, we're helping uh, build capacity for these Christian leaders and for the church systems that they're part of to be more attuned and um, responsive to the, the mental health and trauma needs of their staff, as well as their community. Um, And um, and part of our discussion has to do with uh, the trauma needs, not just of our congregation, but of our pastors. And uh, research suggests that pastors um, in comparable levels uh, with uh, social workers, um, uh, you know, uh, ER doctors and other uh, helping professions, that their level of exposure to trauma is really it's sky high, you know, and we don't talk about trauma, um, but it's still trauma. And one of the reasons uh, it makes sense, because when you think of it, um, when a crisis happens in uh, among an individual in a uh, in a church or congregation, if someone passes away um, unexpectedly, if some other unexpected crisis happens when uh, someone dies, um, who is one of the first people that are always called? It's it's the pastor in the uh, it's the pastor and. so when you think about the number of exposures to crises and trauma uh, especially when it comes to indirect exposure to crises and trauma pastors are very much in the front line and we need to take um we need to take that seriously Um we just have a few more minutes and then we'll switch over uh, to Q&A Um and um there's also the impact of unhealthy church environments on pastors and I think this relates Really well, to many of the sentiments shared uh, on the chats where um there's oftentimes a neglect and a failure to look at systemic contributions to um, unhealthy uh, church environments, and um, some examples of unhealthy church environments are when you know congregations are opposed to even small changes because they're attached to the way things are uh when you're having there's two sets of members within a congregation who polarize issues among uh, group lines and this has been a especially salient challenge for many of our churches. I'm working with so many different pastors who uh, are pastoring congregations that are, uh, that are on different sides of the political spectrum. And, um, it feels like a near impossible to impossible task to keep everyone together. Um, and unfortunately, I think one of the, one of my reflections is that I feel like a lot of people are being formed more by the news uh, channel that they watch than by scripture or the Christian faith. Um, and then some congregation members uh, use actively use uh, things like intimidation and abusive tactics to oppose clergy. And I know these are some older resources, but uh, if that's um, an area of interest for further uh, reading and exploration, um, you can consider um, some books on amazon.com. Ones by uh, Rediger, uh, titled clergy killers. And then, uh, Rediger also wrote uh, a decade later, another, um, book called, um, the toxic congregation. So consider, uh, checking those two. Um, the last thing as we're kind of, uh, beginning to land the plane together, um, uh, I, I just wanted to end with, um, a brief conversation about burnouts. And again, this, a lot of this is older, um, Research and I, I, and I might, I might suggest that these figures might be not just the same, but even higher, especially during these last two or three, or four years of uh, two or three years of COVID. That there, um, that burnout is a prominent uh, challenge facing uh, Christian leaders, um, and that um, uh, many emotional hazards contribute in the in the ministry context contribute to burnout, like personal relationships depression, stress, um, sexuality, and uh, assertiveness. And um, more recent research uh, found some uh, empirical predictors of burnout, like depression, isolation, loneliness, marital tension and conflict, as well as certain coping behaviors like behavioral disengagement, mental disengagement, or an exclusive focus on venting emotions. Um, I just... I want to close by just highlighting what the research identifies as three of the most common um, components or symptoms of burnout and that is uh, emotional exhaustion and symptoms of emotional exhaustion might include chronic tension chronic anxiety chronic fatigue insomnia um, depersonalization uh, where you're, you're cultivating this negative callous excessively detached response. Depersonalization is a form of dissociation, which is a very common trauma response, especially to relational trauma. So when you see an individual um, change their personality in such a way where they used to be very personal and very relational, and then over time they end up evolving into someone who just treats other people like numbers or objects, that is potentially a, um, a sign of burnout. And then last, a lack of personal accomplishment where you have a tendency to negatively evaluate the worth of your work, feeling insufficient, feeling incapable with regards to the ability to perform one's job. So when people start feeling like, and really internalizing the sense of failure where like, you know, I'm a pastor, but I'm, I can't really do anything right. Um, and I, I don't think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm a good pastor anymore. Um, that also is uh, potentially another sign of, um, burnout. So it's not just the emotional exhaustion, but it's also the depersonalization, as well as a sense of um, a lack of uh, personal accomplishment, either personal and
0: or um, professional. Thank you, Dr. Wang, for your wise words and insights for the church. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you for coming everyone. We here at the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary invite you to join in the ongoing dialogue on Asian American faith, identity, social engagement, and ministry through our newsletter, blog, and upcoming conferences at ltiaa.com.